Welcome to Leadership Requested. I'm your host, Jen Rebar. Thanks for listening. After the pandemic hit, the world was more disconnected than ever before. My daughter Juliana and I wanted to help, so we started this podcast to empower leaders with encouraging messages from around the world. We both love hearing people tell their heartfelt stories and have a passion for learning. Join us every Wednesday as a unique leader comes on our show to talk with us and share their story of how they use leadership to make their slice of the world a better place. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy listening to our show, subscribe to our channel, give us a review, and let us know what you think. Remember, your leadership has been requested. Are you ready? All right. Thank you for being on Leadership Requested. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Thank you for having me, Jen. I am Naila. I am the owner of a company called Penny Perspective, and I provide financial coaching services. And what made you get interested in that? So it stems from really like when I reflect back, it stems all the way back when I was 18, I started to learn how to balance my checkbook. And I still do that to this day. (laughs) So (laughs) fast forward many years, um, I have a background in bookkeeping and I can keep track of the flow of money, like nobody's business. You know, I'm able to look at everything that comes in, everything that goes out and then create a report to say, hey, this is everything that happened financially in your business. But when it came to my own finances, um, I always felt like I had lack, mm-hmm. even when my income would increase. I just, I didn't feel that increase. I didn't see that increase. And I would even create a budget, but it was more of like theory, you know, and then I would wonder at the end of the month, okay, why didn't this budget of what I said I was going to do, why didn't it just magically happen like that? Isn't supposed to just happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a lot of things that I was seeing around me in terms of financing, like um, the idea of always financing a vehicle or a home for 30 years, you know, those large purchases that the way I grew up and from my experiences, it was, that's always going to be. And I just, I couldn't accept that. Um, So I thought, (laughs) you know, how can somebody on a moderate income, not just be attached to debt like that for, for those type of huge purchases forever? Like, is that possible? But I didn't know how to make that possible. Um, And so I came to a point in my life where I just kind of came apathetic toward money. It was like, oh, I just I don't care. I'm going to save up a bunch of money and go out of the country somewhere where I could make it last, make it stretch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then I came across Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. And that was really the catalyst for me because it just gave me in a very practical way. It just embedded that concept of start where you are with Mm -hmm. what you have, regardless of what your actual income is. Um, So that really gave me that foundational piece that I needed to make the most use of my income and then start the growth from there. You know, it just really instills that if we're good stewards over a little, then mm-hmm. when we have abundance, we'll be good stewards in that as well. So that's really, um, like I said, the catalyst, the foundational piece. And as a result of that, I was able to essentially save up $100,000 in two years and nine months. Wow. 
Wow. Um, yes. Yes. And a huge portion of that, um, I'd say a little less than half went towards student loans. So mm-hmm. when I paid off my student loans, I was just, I was kind of floored because the amount of um, student loans that I had at the time, that balance compared to how much I had paid off and how long I had it, it just seemed like it was going to drag on for like at least 10 years. Mm-hmm. So for me being able to do that in two years and nine months, as well as say above that, um, it just really showed me that I can actually experience financial success, even on a moderate income. So when people around me, close to me, saw what I was doing and how I was doing it, um, they started asking me questions about what I was doing, how I was doing it, how it can be applied to their own situations, because they were looking like, okay, wait a minute, three years ago, you had $45,000 in student loans. Right? <laughs> I'm sorry, not 45, 65. Oh, goodness. And now you have none. Okay, what's really going on? <laughs> what are you selling? How so- can I do that? <laughs> So that's where that whole leadership, I guess, concept came in, because initially I didn't set out to be a leader. It was more of things that I wasn't seeing uh, the, the way like the way I looked at my finances and the type of life that I wanted to live and really use money as a tool to you know, for my financial success and still be able to enjoy life along the way. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really seeing that. And I didn't know how to do that, but I just felt like it has to be possible. There's there's no way that this is the only way. <laughs> so when I was able to become that, then it was more of like that lead by example. Yeah. That's awesome. I really love your story and how you led by example and really was, uh, you worked hard to achieve the things that you wanted to. Um, You started by balancing a checkbook and that's something like something I do. And I, I have everything in a spreadsheet down to if I go spend $2 on a nice tea, I, I put it in my spreadsheet. And for me, like I learned how to do that in high school. And I know that that's not something that we're teaching our kids because mm-hmm. most kids these days don't know what a checkbook is because we do mm-hmm. everything with a card. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now we have a freaking coin shortage and who would have thought that we would ever have a coin shortage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so where did you learn that to balance a checkbook and was that installed through or instilled in you through family or was it school? And have you passed that down to other people? So it wasn't through school. And Mm -hmm. although I don't want to admit it wasn't through family, Mm -hmm. it was when I opened my first checking account. And you know how they give you the instructions to Mm -hmm. follow to balance your checkbook. So I actually read those instructions. And I, I really believe that because of just my natural gift of being able to follow the flow of cash mm-hmm. um, is, is how I was able to pick it up by just reading it. Yeah. And I've always liked math in, in high school. Um, I did really well in math. And I remember being in, uh, in, in 11th grade class and we were working on an assignment mm-hmm. and it was a fairly difficult assignment. And then, um, you know, I was able to work it out and and I did it. I finished the assignment. 
And so the teacher, you know, he was sitting down waiting for everybody to finish. And so when I put my paper down and my pencil down, he um, looked at me with this like <laughs> questionable look on his face. And he said, are you finished? And I said, yes, I'm finished. <laughs> and then he said, let me see, as in you know, slight disbelief. And so I went up there and gave him my paper um, and he was looking over it and he was like, and then, because I, you know, they teach us show your work and everything. So uh -huh. I showed my work and he said, go help other people. So I did. <laughs> and, and I was going over the, you know, I was helping this one young lady and we were, you know, working through it. And she looked at me and she said, you get this? And I was like, yeah. And I'm excited because I, I just enjoyed it. And she was like, why, why does it seem like you like this? <laughs> <laughs> You've been leading by example with numbers for a very long time. It came natural to you. <laughs> exactly. So that's where that whole idea of, you know, how I was able to pick it up. Mm -hmm. And yes, I do pass that along to other people. It's not always receptive because right. in this day and age, that's not something that we do on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everything is, is digital. And like you mentioned, we swipe a card. But just like I explained to people, a checkbook doesn't mean what you put in there for writing checks. Mm -hmm. It's really a transaction log of everything that's going on in your life financially. Just like all of all, you know, companies, whether small or large companies, they're keeping books. And in order for them to know what their profit and loss is, and how profitable their business is and should they actually stay in business mm -hmm. and if they need to do something differently it's it's important for them to keep books but we don't do that in our own lives so in passing that down as you mentioned it's really helping people to become their own bookkeepers mm -hmm. what were some of the things that you did to make such big changes in those 2 years so you remember how I mentioned that I would create a budget, but it was more of a, a theory. <laughs> An outline, An general outline. outline. <laughs> a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> so I started with that in being more purposeful in tracking on a weekly basis how that how my plan was lining up to what I was actually doing when I went out in the real world spending and saving my money. And that was huge for me because it really gave me a snapshot picture of exactly what was going on. You know, if I said, okay, for the month of January, I'm going to spend only a hundred dollars eating out. Mm -hmm. And now before I would have a general idea of how much, but when I would do that, and so at the, at, at the end of the first week in January, then I said, okay, how much have I spent this much in eating out? And, you know, it would be something like $75. I'm like, okay, I'm already at $75. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to do a hundred. So it really, you know, and I encourage people to do it, even if it's just for 90 days, because what it does is help us to be mindful of what we're actually doing. Right. You know, even if we're not, even after that 90 days, if we're not tracking it as closely we're starting to become more aware of what we're doing because it's so easy to say, I'm only going to spend a hundred dollars eating out, but then, you know, at the end of the month spent, you, you look back and you spent $300 and it's like, how, how was that even possible? 
and when we start to add the numbers up in our head, we miss this $5 here, that $2 here, that $10 here. But when we see it on paper, it's like, oh, I did do that. Oh, now I remember I did. So that was one of the main things um, that helped in, in that journey, that major change. It's definitely something I know for our family. I think every person and every family, especially, has different categories. For us, it's always been food, always, hands down, eating out or ordering, gro- or uh, now it's ordering groceries, but <laughs> food in general is always our biggest category. And um, when we started really being mindful about spending money and where we were spending it, that was the one that easily gets out of control. And like you said, we're going to spend this much per month and then it's gone. And you're like, okay, cool. (laughs) We still have the rest of the month to go. And, um, when, then you have to rob from Peter to pay Paul and, and it, it gets messy, but having that accountability is difficult and humbling sometimes. And how does having a coach play into that? Obviously you have someone to be accountable to, but is there more to it than just accountability? There is, um, like you mentioned, food getting out of control. So with a coach, a coach will be able to give you tips and, and realizations and, and help reveal things that you may not have thought about, um, especially when it comes to habits and behavior, because those are not things that we can all of, you know, um, readily put our finger on as to what leads us to spend the way we spend um, and what leads to lack of savings and things like that. And so like I said, a coach can help reveal things that we may not see. Things like food and uh, gas, those are things that because they're necessities, it's easy to rationalize overspending in those areas. And so that's where a coach can come in and say, okay, you have, you as you see what you're doing with your budget, normally, you know, when you reflect back before you were budgeting, say you were spending a month for you and a young child, you know, and someone may be um, eager to say, okay, well, I'm going to cut that in half and cut that down to $200. And so a coach will come in and say, okay, growth is about sustainability over time. So if you're doing, if, if you're used to doing, if you're used to spending $400, then instead of trying to go to a drastic change, you know, do something like See what you can do with 300, you know, um, even make a game out of it. But if you when you see what you can do with 300, then you're making those incremental changes and incremental changes is what lead to um, sustainable growth over time. That's true, because I guess you have to be realistic as well. You can get pretty frustrated if you're going to cut everything in half. And the reality is you have mouths to feed that can't survive on uh, peanut butter sandwiches, they need all the extras or they're going to eat all the peanut butter sandwiches in one day. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And if that's something that a person is used to doing, 
um, then trying to drastically go down to something that may not be realistic for them at the time, it can lead to them spending more than they normally would because of, like you said, the frustration, which has Mm -hmm. to do with our mood, which tends to affect how we spend. Yeah, for sure. A lot of it is having that mirror too, someone to be honest with you, because I think when we have our friends around or family members or what have you, they can sometimes be easy accomplices in our spending. Um, <laughs> they can take us along on the journeys and, and and things like that. So it's nice to have someone who's outside of the circle as well to mm-hmm. maybe be there to, to be the angel on our shoulder to keep us on the right straight and narrow. Right. And honest in a loving way, in a non-judgmental way. Yeah. Um, because sometimes it's difficult to hear things that can be uncomfortable, um, mm-hmm. but 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 are necessary in order for us to reach what we say that we want to reach, you know. So yeah, just really I, I really take that approach of being honest. And and with a judgment-free zone, you know, I have nobody to judge anybody. We all have our strengths and and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said, just really being honest in a way of saying, this is just to reveal what's going on. It's not to, and and to help people avoid beating themselves up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we fall, we do. Um, And so we just need that encouragement to say, okay, this is what the situation is. You know, if you need a time to kind of grieve a little bit, that's understandable, you know, get your emotions mm-hmm. out, but okay, what are we going to do from here? Let's just, you know, keep moving forward from here, learn from it and grow from it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really important because it it's hard to talk about money. It's not a conversation that a lot of people like to have. It's, I mean, a huge reasons why a lot of marriages end because people don't want to communicate about money. Um, how often do you see people who really have money blocks and, and what are some of those money blocks that people have? Like, what are some of those hangups that people have about money? Very often, um, I say a lot of my job, especially initially, is to uh, build build trust because, mm-hmm. as you just mentioned, um, not everybody wants to talk about money. Money yeah. is taboo. People talk about it more nowadays than before, so it, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, but it's really, you know, it forces people to be vulnerable and right off, even if they're, if, if someone is referred to me by someone else, there's still that blockage because first of all, you want me to be vulnerable. And then you want me to be vulnerable about my money, which I'm supposed to have it all together. Society tells me I'm supposed to know what to do with my money. You know, so you have those two different things that are, are that are instant barriers. Um, then some of those um, roadblocks, like you asked, would, will be things that people have been used to growing up, Yeah, which is like, it's okay to um, just use credit cards for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to overspend. Um, so budgeting, even for some people, is a huge hindrance because I even had someone tell me after they did it for about three weeks, they were just really discouraged and 
they said, this is depressing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that would really stop somebody from wanting to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. because they get that sense of this is depressing. And so what I have to help them realize it's, yes, it could, it, it is disheartening to see it, what's going on, but it's really just revealing the truth. And there yeah. is healing and revealing because then you can say, okay, if this is depressing and I don't want my life to be like this, then what am I going to do about it? Right. I love that healing and revealing Um, because I think that's so true. I personally came from a family background that um, didn't know how to manage money from a young age. I would have to like make sure we had enough money to last the two weeks because my parents were irresponsible. They would get their checks and spend them. Now we have money for groceries. Let's spend, I mean, there were three of us. So like, let's spend $250 on groceries. Cool. Those are gone. Now what are we going to do the next week? And then it was a food bank. And, you know, so, and Christmases were a nightmare because they'd never planned. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I worked really young. I would plan to pay bills and things like that. So I tried to do the opposite. And I was fortunate to move in with my grandparents who had a home, had vehicles, paid their bills, had savings, um, but had their own hangups. My grandmother was a spender. She was a credit card person. And my grandfather took care of it. We just didn't talk about it. Um, So like you said, you see a lot of these family things and I saw them all and I knew what I didn't want to do, but I didn't necessarily know the right steps to take. Um, And I've repeated a lot of things, unfortunately, because trial and error, I would try things and try and figure them out and um, had to find my own way. Not a great method. (laughs) (laughs) but we all live and learn. And, um, like you said, when you have a moderate income, it's a lot harder because you are trying to pay your bills and do the day-to-day stuff. And if you're always spending up to your budget, it makes it really difficult to ever get past that. And sometimes you need that mirror to say, okay, maybe we don't do that. And you start building, you know, your future and your nest egg and your savings and prioritizing other things. So I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Now, how is it, what are the first couple of things that you try and prioritize for your clients? I know every client's a little different, but what are some of the first priorities you like to give people? So the first thing for everyone is starting with a financial assessment. And what that involves is looking at assets, liabilities to calculate the net worth, which I tell everyone that is not to look at that. That's not a gauge of your self-worth. It's just to look at what your starting point is. What you have that you can leverage towards your financial growth, um, who all you owe, you know, what what is your starting point? And then we look at the budget. And what I do with them is just go over these numbers 
from the top of their head, best guess. You know, I told them it's the best guesstimation because I do it that way first so that people have a good idea of how well they know their finances. And then I have them go back and look at, okay, after we're done, go back and actually look at the actual numbers to see how close you are to what you believe the numbers are to be, to what the numbers actually are. And that gives me a good gauge of where their starting point is in their relationship with money. Um, I also have a series of questions that I ask to really look at where someone's head and where their heart is when it comes to money. Again, that plays into that uh, relationship with money because it's not just about the numbers. Mm -hmm. It's also about uh, what we just kind of, what we already touched on a little bit earlier, um, but you know, what our experiences have been um, that leads to our, um, our spending and saving habits. Um, Some of the things that we go through that affect our mood, that affect our habits, our desires, you know, things like that, what we learn, what we didn't learn um, Mm -hmm. growing up, all of that has to do with how we manage our finances. So Mm -hmm. those two things are where I start. Those are the series of questions and that um, the financial assessment in in reference to the numbers. And then when it comes to, okay, now that we see that and like some first steps with clients, after that, it's definitely the budget. Mm -hmm. Um, And I get a lot of pushback (laughs) with Mm -hmm. that, especially people who are not used to doing it because it is involving it. You know, it can be Mm -hmm. very involving, but it's, it's a matter of, the foundational pieces that we lay, that once we start to lay those, then it gets easier to build the rest of, you know, whatever it is that we're building, it gets easier to build from there. Yeah. If our foundation is not, you know, if, if our foundation is not solid, then even when we start to build, it can, it's easier for it to crumble down. It's easier mm-hmm. for us to have to come to a place where we have to start over because we're so busy going, going, going that if, if there's a halt or if there's a loss of income or what have you, then we're kind of backing up or backing to square one. But when we have those foundational pieces in place, mm-hmm. um, it's like building a house, right? If you have your blueprints, okay, you know exactly how this house is built. It, it Even if it burns down to the ground, you just start over because you already have the blueprints. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, yeah, you'll have to spend more money and more time going to get the materials, but you have the building blocks to say, oh, this is where this goes. This is, and you did it before. So it, it's that much faster to build it the second time. Yeah. I love that you start with that assessment because that has to be so eye-opening for some people. I know that there's people on my end of the spectrum who know to the penny how much is in each account and how much they spend and what comes out on what day and all that craziness. And then I know that on the other end of the spectrum, there's people who have no idea what goes where. And that has to be terrifying to some people when they realize either I have a lot going in and out and crap, I need to fix it. Or (laughs) I have no idea what's going on and crap, I need to fix it. Like that's, that's interesting that, you know, you almost do a, a a personality test at the beginning. (laughs) 
um, to, to kind of, uh, be the mirror and, and let people kind of settle into what they're doing before. Cause the budget is huge. That's obviously money. That's, that's, I think what people expect, but to start with that heart piece is very unique and interesting. I think that's awesome. Yes. Yes. And then of course the good old budget. (laughs) (laughs) The good old budget. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The pen to the paper is super important. We all know we have to do that. And, uh, and stick to it, which is the hard part. Yes. <laughs> and even when we don't necessarily stick to it, um, then there's that adjusting and then saying, okay, if I overspend in one area, it just means I need to underspend in another area. Mm-hmm. So if I, you know, again, food, <laughs> if I overspent in my eating out, what area am I going to cut back in? You know, maybe I go to the movies two times less, you know, even though we're not really doing as much of that these days. <laughs> but, well, that's a positive thing. At least you can focus exactly. some of that money somewhere else. Exactly. But the, that, that idea of overspending in one area just means underspending in another area and adjusting it so that it still balances overall. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and for me, I noticed that there was a correlation between rewards and food. So anytime we were celebrating anything or anytime anyone had a bad day, we were doing something with food. And so we changed that behavior. And that was something that came out of budgeting because we were, you know, recording all those transactions. And I was like, cool, anytime anyone in the family, and there's three of us, would have a good day or a bad day or whatever, we would find some sort of reason to have an edible celebration. (laughs) And that all adds up. So we need to really find another reason to celebrate and not have food. But I, I don't know if it's a, I'm Italian and it's a cultural thing that we eat for everything, but that's just what we do. And So we just need to find a more affordable way to do that. Right. And it's easy because food is comforting. Yeah. And fun. Yes. I was just going to say, and it's, so it's when you're feeling low, food is comforting. When you're excited, food is fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it fits in whatever mood and in so many different scenarios and occasions. So that is one of those ones. And again, we actually need food, right? It's (laughs) easy to justify. (laughs) So easy to justify. It is so easy easy to um, rationalize. Absolutely. I think, you know, parents probably have a lot of kids' expenses that go that way. Um, I mean, everyone has their thing Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, just having a coach in that respect, I think is, um, it's a priority to make for yourself and your family that, I mean, your finances dominate your life. Like I said earlier, like marriages end for generally money disagreements about money or disagreements about sex. And so if you can have a coach to help you in one and a good marriage counselor to help you with the other, (laughs) then you might be on a good way to a strong marriage. 
because the, having good communication and, and about both of those things is super helpful Absolutely. and setting yourself up for success. And even on a moderate income, I think I had always associated having like guidance on money means that you have a lot of money and that's backwards thinking <laughs> because just because I don't have a lot of money does not mean that I don't need help figuring out how to set myself up. And um, that was something that it took me a long time to learn because I think, again, the way you grow up and things like that, um, sometimes when you come from a lower income background or a moderate income background, you come from a thinking that you don't deserve you know, that's a rich person thing. Rich mm -hmm. people have counselors for money, yes. Yes. <laughs> but you know, maybe that, maybe that's a, the, that's the wrong way to think about it. Maybe, um, everyone should be intentional about what they're doing with their money. And Absolutely. that's going to be the way that there's a little bit more education and a little bit more, um, equaling out and not uh, two edges here that we're kind okay. of seeing currently. Exactly. I appreciate you coming on. I have one more question for you. Okay. <laughs> I ask all of my guests the same question at the end of every show. And this season, the question that I'm asking is what advice would you give to the younger generation? Oh, to the younger generation. Uh, that's a good question. Well, first, thank you again for having me on your show. Of and the advice I would give is start where you are with what you have. Um, not everybody has the same goal, the same desire, especially when it comes to finances. Not everybody wants to be a millionaire, you know, and that is okay. Really decide what financial success looks like for you. And anything worth doing, whether it's financially or at any other area of your life, anything worth doing takes time to develop. So, um, you know, sustainable growth is really the best way to go is really uh, what's going to benefit you and, and lead to um, solid growth in the end and, and success. I love that. Such good advice. Thank you. And thank you for being a guest. I think your words of wisdom are awesome and what you do is awesome. Thank you. And what you're doing is awesome as well. <laughs> Appreciate it.